Hey, welcome to another fantastic edition of the 40 Athletes Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason Holzer, along with my good buddy, Jimmy Huber. Jimmy, how's it going today, man? Going great. How about yourself? You know, it's uh, I'm feeling pretty lucky today, Jimmy. I don't know about yourself. Well, what are you feeling lucky about? Is it uh, something about green or something that I should know about? Or I mean, you know, I'm not wearing it right now, so I hope somebody come by me and pinch me. Oh, not St. Louis, St. Patty's. St. Patty's Day. St. Patrick's Day. Day. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, I'm really feeling lucky because about the guest we have on today. You know, she's a uh, she's a life coach for professional athletes, and quite frankly, I could use a life coach in some areas of my life, even though I'm not a pro. So hopefully, I get some help with that today. Yeah, my wife would think I would need some life coaching as well, too. So, I mean, I you know, know just get her on. That's that's part of like why we have a lot of these female guests on, because secretly we're looking for some cues to be better husbands in a lot of ways. I mean, to, to, to put it honestly, you know. Yeah, better husbands, better fathers, better everything, right? And, you know, she's a, she's a super mom. She has her own kind of blindside story herself. Uh, and she's just a beam of positivity. Every time I talk to her, she always finds the – the positive in any situation and she's been through some tough stuff herself um so without further ado I want to welcome michelle demetrio to the podcast today michelle how are you doing today great guys how are you it's so good to see you great yeah. to see you as well michelle doing well doing well so can you, if, i would like you first to tell your story tell us your blind side story can you give us a, a little bit of insight on your background how you got to become a life coach for professional athletes just kind of uh, give us some insight on that Okay, my blindside story. So I was living in Chicago. I had two children, married, and my youngest son at the time was a really good basketball player. And so he was on a really neat team. And he comes out to my car one night after one night of the tournament, says these guys are going home with us. I'd never met any of these guys. And so I said, I need to talk to an adult. And I said to this adult, I love having kids in my home, but I run kind of a tight ship. So if I call you at two in the morning, you know, I need you to be there. And so, you know, no incidents whatsoever. Great kids go back to the uh, tournament the next day. And my son comes out after the tournament with this one of the three kids that we had had night before. And this kid's name was Reggie. So ends up Reggie, uh, they're about 11 at the time, 11 or 12 at the time. And Reggie stays at my house for about a month. And uh, about two weeks into this month, he and my son Alex come up to me and say, we, we need to have a meeting with you. And I said, oh, great. I'm free. We can have a meeting right now. And so uh, my son says, we want you to adopt Reggie. And uh, I was like, literally they were not my words they came out before I mean just like came out of my mouth and I was like oh I could do that and so uh I'm thinking about all these other kids that are staying at my house and I was like I love that kid that kid that kid but I would never consider adopting them but this kid that I've only known for two weeks I would he like seems like my kid and so fast forward we were transferred to Cleveland and we would and I, I did try to adopt Reggie and his caseworker didn't work with me he told me I had to adopt his little brother. I was like, that is not happening. And so, cause my birth children are 13 months apart with Reggie. They're all 16 months apart. Ooh. So anyway, um, moved to Cleveland, brought Reggie in from Cleveland. And then the summer before his freshman year in high school, he called me and he had always called me mommy. And he said, mommy, I, I just can't do this anymore. He said, if I start school here, nothing good is going to happen. And I said, well, you know, I tried to adopt you. I tried to work with your caseworker and your, you told me you had to adopt your little brother. And he, and, and I said, I, you know, I, I, my hands are tied. And he said, 
I've spoken with my caseworker. I got a new caseworker and I'll, I will talk to my brother. So it went into this fast forward thing and um, we got him on August 23rd of 2004. And so um, he's been my youngest son for good gosh, somebody else did the math, 17 years. 17, and yeah. Uh, yeah, so he is like the light of my life. He is a great kid. And if you've seen The Blind Side, it's very much, very similar, except my, my, my story is even better. So, you know, it uh, almost sounds like uh blind side meets. This is us. I talked to Reggie. Oh, you're like, exactly right. That's what, that's what it sounds like to me. Like, you know, like if you yes. can combine the two shows together, boom, blind side, this is us. You got your story. Yeah, so. I don't make it through. This is us without tears. So you're exactly <laughs> hey, right. You know what? I don't either. It's okay. Oh, good. You know, my wife sucks better. me in every time, every time. Yes. Yeah, so that's my blind side story. And then, um, ended up getting divorced very unexpectedly and uh, reached out to a woman I had worked for in the past that was a life coach and she was kind of life-saving to say the least. And, um, you know, then I was like, I got to pull myself together. I've got these three kids. And so after a while, I had already had one life coaching certification that I had really never used. It was just kind of something I did for me. And then I got very serious about it and was certified and started out as a relationship coach and um, enjoyed that. But, you know, there's I wanted something more and I didn't have the luxury of knowing quite a few professional athletes just because of my sons. And so everybody kept saying, you ought to coach professional athletes, you ought to coach professional athletes. And so then I had a mom of three sons that played ball that reached out to me and she just said, I understand you're doing this. I don't think you have any idea how much of a need there is for this in professional uh, sports. And so she's ta talking to me about issues about isolation, depression, you know, buffering with drugs, sex, alcohol, video games, you name it. And so um, I, th I guess just having boys in that age group, it just kind of, you know, it just felt like a natural group for me. And so started working with them and I absolutely love it. What's and a, ironically, a lot of what we talk about is relationships. <laughs> Michelle, you talk about that though. And something that hit me is like Reggie and yourself, we're going through challenging times and a lot of us do, but we're not willing to ask for help. Right. We want to be strong. We want to be tough. We don't, we don't need help from somebody else or it shows we're weakness. How do we get humble, the humility to ask for the help that we need um, to move us in the direction that can help us have a better life? Well, I just think um, what I'm what I'm finding and uh, James, you can't believe how much this issue has come up in 2021. I don't know if, if it's a result of just in these short three months, if it's a result of COVID and people feeling feeling isolated and feeling like they need help. And then it's like, oh, my God. But what I find with athletes is they're so used to people asking them for help, always having an ask. Can you do this for me? Can you be on this? You know, and so they're used to being the guy that helps and they're not, and they literally almost don't know how to ask for help. And so, you know, we work on that and it's just, you know, it's just, it's, I have this saying and I say it all the time at the end of my calls with my guys, most times, you know, say I have a saying discomfort is the currency to your dreams. And so I tell my guys, I say, I will, I hope your week's really uncomfortable this week. Cause I know if they're in discomfort, that they're growing, that they're changing, that they're shifting and becoming the man and man that they want to be. And so it's, it's being uncomfortable. It's just saying, you know, I can't do this on my own. 
I am not at my best. I have to, I have, something has to change here. I've tried this, this, and this, and um, I'm going to have to reach out to someone. And whether it's a parent, family, friend, coach, like life coach. Um, but really, I think when it does become like a life or mindset coach, you have that buffer, you have that place where there is no, um, there's no emotional attachment. There's no, um, there's no emotional attachment. There's no judgment. There's no history, really. You know, I may know what they've shared with me or a little bit more, but um, my, my job is to hold space for them and to make it a clean, pure space where they don't have to worry about, um, you know, being judged. I hear everything every day and I don't have any judgments on it. It's like, this is your time. This is your hour. This is your space. This is where we can we can dive in and you know focus on what what your needs are. Um, Michelle, you, you mentioned holding space, and, and I've heard that term a lot. Like, what does it truly mean to be able to hold space for somebody else? Because, like, I know for myself, sometimes I'm so used to like replying or trying to fix it. That's kind of like my meant. So, what is a, a great way for us to hold space whenever somebody is asking for help? Because most of the time, it seems like they may not like need an answer. They just need to to have somebody hear them out. Well, I think what I, when I think of holding space, Jason, it's like, I really do look at myself as kind of a vessel and that they're pouring into me in that hour. And um, holding space is, is really being an active listener, hearing everything they're saying, not, you know, now I will guide them if they get off track and say, okay, now, now we're going in too many directions. We're going to focus here. Let's pull back and focus on this thing. And, but I try not to interrupt them. I try to just let them go and go and go until they've kind of done the verbal vomit, as I call it. And then uh, we, 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 we focus on, you know, when we're in our brains and, you know, we, it's, let's use basketball as an example. If you're out there working with some kid on his shot, the kid may, may realize that, oh man, I didn't have my wrist in the right position. The ball didn't have enough spinner or enough arc on it. They may realize that, but they can't see their shot. You as the coach standing on the floor can see their shot. They can see their shot on film. Um, what I do when I'm speaking to someone is I'm seeing their brain. They're in their brain all day long. We have some 60,000 thoughts that we think a day, and many of them are, are on rinse and repeat. And those thoughts that we think repeatedly become beliefs. And those beliefs are the, the things we tell ourselves all day, every day, whether it's for good or bad, whether it's positive or negative. And so this is me seeing their brain because they're in their brain. They can't see it. They may see a little bit. They may notice, oh, I've had that thought before. But when, then when they start seeing the patterns and the patterns of their thoughts and, you know, your thoughts create your results. So if you have a result in your life that you don't want, all we have to do is go back to our thoughts and go, I've got to think a different thought. And I'm not saying like, snap, you know, we go for, from horrible to rainbows and daisies, but you know, it is, it is a process. So that's what I mean by holding space, just letting them talk, guiding without interruption and just giving them a space where it is theirs, you know, and I'm not trying to give opinions, thoughts. Um, I'm just really a reflection of what they're telling me. So how do you, when you mention that, Michelle, it is true. It's like 60, 70,000 thoughts. They talk about a day. It's constantly what almost like 85 to 90% are thoughts from yesterday. Yes. So it's the same thoughts you have each and every day. 
So what are some of the techniques and strategies that you work with some athletes and try to get them to really shift the way they're thinking to change to maybe to get thoughts of what they really want, not what they don't want, and maybe to get new thoughts to take them in a new kind of trajectory toward life? That's a great question, James. And that's really the crux of my work. I have a process I used. It's called an unpack and esteem. And an unpack is where I have I have every client try to get every client. They get to do what they want. But, you know, I try to get every client to keep a journal of sorts. And really, every morning, I, I recommend the morning. If, if they, they're doing it, certainly better than nothing. But, you know, it's like unpacking a suitcase. Like when they land, they open their suitcase and they see all their stuff in there. Well, that's kind of what an unpack in your brain is. You open the suitcase, you open your brain, and you see all the thoughts that are in there. And I just have them start writing. There's no like kind of stream of consciousness, you know, and I tell people they're they, well, like, what if I can't think of something to say? What if I can't think of something to write? And I was like, literally, you know, oh, the sky is blue. There's a bird over there, you know, just start. Oh, I've got to get through that mail. Just start writing. And then as you get into the flow, you start seeing your thoughts. And then you'll notice, especially after you've done this a few times, that there are thoughts that you're thinking all the time, every day. And a lot of, you know, we talk to ourselves more than we talk to anybody else in a day. And we probably, we, it's interesting. We treat our acquaintances probably the best. Our friends and family may be a little better and ourselves absolutely the worst. And so those thoughts, like I wouldn't let anybody talk to my son the way sometimes I talk to myself admittedly. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you're going to see these thoughts and, so you pull the thoughts out and then we do this process called steam and steam is talks about what your situation is. And a lot of people think that their, um, their problem is their situation or their circumstances. It's not, um, this was taught to me by my coach, Brooke Castillo. I've just modified it a little bit. And, um, so, you know, it's uh, the circumstances and situations are just facts. They're just like, Oh, it's 85 degrees. Um, you know, I'm sick. I mean, it's, it's things that nobody can argue with, but people start making like, I'm sick. The problem I'm sick is not the problem. It's what they think about being sick. Um, so their thoughts, they capture their thoughts. They pull the thoughts out of that unpack. And then we talk about emotions and, um, it's really interesting with guys, uh, not to stereotype, but most 99% of my clients are guys. It's like when you ask them for their emotions, like, oh, you know, mad, sad, glad. I'm like, oh, come on, you can do better than that. You know, like, what are you really feeling? What is your real emotion? And when we can capture that, I mean, uh, livid is a lot stronger than mad. You know, livid tells me a lot more than mad. And then we go down through the process and we capture their actions. Like when, when you're livid, what do you do? How do you show up? How do you behave? And then as a result of that, what is your result? My result in the steam line, the M line is what is my result? And my result comes from your actions, and, but it initially, it really comes from your thoughts. So if you're thinking, you know, I, I'm a horrible free throw shooter and I'm, you know, you're uncomfortable with that. And then you like take a lot of shots and do your things and try to visualize. And then you get up to the free throw line and you're thinking I'm a horrible free throw shooter. You're probably not going to hit your free throw. Mm -hmm. And so what is the result? And so a lot of times what we'll do in the second steam is take, what is the result you would love to have? What is the result that 
you can see would make your life easier or change something in your life that you want to change. And we do the steam backwards and um, a lot of times can get to a better thought. And so you're, you're not going to start thinking that thought immediately, but it's every time that I'm, I'm terrible free throw shooter comes up, you can go to, um, you know, I, I am a person that can make free throws. And I'm, that's not a great, that's not a great thought, but I mean, off the cuff. Uh, so, you know, you know, if you're thinking I'm a person that can make three throws better than more than I'm thinking I'm a terrible free throw shooter, you're going to make more free throw shots. What do you, so with like with athletes, you know, sports are very emotional and sports, oh. like when you're playing in games, they move, right? Yeah. It's from one play to the next. You don't have a lot of time to think, but you always hear it's like, you can allow one mistake to become a second mistake, a second oh. mistake, become a third mistake. <laughs> So how, how do you get athletes like like maybe strategies you talk to them about in the moment when you're there? I'm not around and be your life coach and you got to be your own coach. What are things you have them maybe do that get them to focus on the next play to be present and to not chase mistakes, but to replace with their next best rep? That's a great question, James. And let me just clarify, like I am not a sports psychologist. I do adore sports and love sports. And I know enough sport about sports to talk to my guys on an intelligent level, but I'm not really there to coach them on their sport. I'm there to coach them on their thoughts, which of course does carry over into game time. And we, you know, we work on things like you have to, it just, ha you have to let it go. Like when you miss that free throw, it is like, I've got this. I I'm a person that can make free throws. You get down the court, you get back, you might be at the line again. You get up there and you're a person that can make free throws. It's, it, you know, they've got the muscle memory and so forth that, that their play a lot of times is without thinking, seemingly without thinking. They're just yeah. reacting and doing what they're used to doing, what they're used to practicing. And so just as you would work with them on their game stuff, like their, you know, passing, dribbling, shooting, whatever, defense, offense, I'm working with them on their thoughts. And it's all about just you have to let it go. Like, you know, you, know, you just have to let it go. And you have to remember the thought that we've practiced that, that thought has to come back to you just like your muscle memory, you know, on a layup does. Cause that, you know, you work with football players and yeah, football, football is a physical violent game. Yeah. And it's yes, the most it people are talking smack at each other. Right. Yeah. They're trying to get you to, and you see some individuals, they, you know, like, like, like football players, they, you know, maybe go after another football player. They're, they do things that maybe they get kicked out of a game. Right. So like even in those moments when somebody's trying to get on your skin and, and athletes are trying to get to you and you start to see you're starting to get really angry and frustrated and you're going to maybe try to go fight them or the things you do to get them to maybe reset and to move on past that. Yeah. It's like, what do you know, in that moment, if they can go to what do I, you know, this guy is messing with me. He's trying to get in my head. What do I want my result to be? My result at the end of this game, what do I want my result to get be? You know, and obviously they're thinking that very quickly. What do I want my result to be? How do I want to show up? And they practice that. And guys that have, I'm not saying anger issues, but that tend to be more angry type players in a game like football, for example, we work on, on a concept of, for example, and they get to pick when it is for them. Is it when they get off the bus and they're walking into the locker room and they get to the locker room that they be kind of become this other person? Or is it when they step across that chalk line that they become that, like they literally embody. So they are in their heads and they're like, 
when I step on that chalk line, this is who I am. This is the result I want that, you know, that re-triggers them every time. Or when I'm coming out of the huddle, you know, yeah, they've got a lot of things on their mind, but you know, how do I want to show up? What do I want my result to be? How am I going to react and behave in this situation when they know that the guy on the opposing team is going to mess with them totally? Mm -hmm. And it's just those little, and it's not like they're having these lengthy conversations with them. We've practiced enough that they know that when they break, they have that thought and they go to the line, they set and they're ready to roll. Hey, Michelle, you know, a lot of times too, athletes go through a lot of things on their personal life that could bleed over into their performance on the field too so it's like how do you help them get things in order in life you know family you know you name it friends that kind of thing because it seems like to me there's there tends to be a carryover like you know they're not performing very well today or you know they're different today you know how do we reset those behaviors to allow us to stay present and not get not to allow outside conditions control what we're doing away from the field right is that that makes sense Yes, yes. I think, um, Jason, what I would say to that is really what I coach guys on most, most, most of the time is identity and relationships. Um, you know, they so identify as a player and if they're getting ready to release or if they're having an injury, you know, they lose their identity. It's like all they thought about is of themselves since they were 10 years old as a football player. They can't imagine themselves not being in that situation. So we talk a lot about identity and we talk a lot about relationships and relationships really get in their head a lot. And so it is almost two completely separate things like where we would coach on, you know, how, and, and many of my players of their own admission and, you know, this goes back to my son, Reggie, this was his experience and a lot of his friends experiences. They didn't have models. A lot of them were raised by single moms or grandmothers or didn't have fathers at home. And so they're constantly looking for that male role model, it seems. And um, they want to be men that they've never had modeled. They want to be good fathers. They want to be good partners, good husbands, uh, you know, a better friend. And so we work a lot on relationships and that just is, you know, I joke and say I was a relationship coach and I really thought I was going to miss that. Well, I do that probably more with my athletes than anything else, but uh, you know, it is so important that because you know, every part of our lives affect every other part of our lives, you know, men can compartment can compartmentalize a lot of times, but there is no way for the most part, that you're having a horrible situation at home and you're getting ready to go into a game and it's not going to affect you. They do have a lot of mental toughness just built in because they've done it for so many years and they uh, they can turn it off to a degree. But I am of the opinion, if you get your mindset straight, uh, and I mean mindset across the board, and I'm really talking more about your personal life than your professional life. Uh, if you get that mindset straight, those relationships in good places, if you like the man you're being, if you, if you see the man you can become, if you see your future self, that across the board impacts your play. You know, it, we don't even have to talk about your sport. I, a lot of times I don't even talk to these guys about their sport. We are just talking about, you know, uh, being more focused, being more routinized, being a better man, being a better husband, being a better father, being a better boyfriend, all of that, because they, they have access to anything they want, instant access, and they have the money to do it. 
and they don't have anyone telling them no. No one. They don't even have staff telling them no. Their buddies aren't telling them no because they're doing the same darn thing. So they have to really step up and say, I'm, I'm choosing to be a different man. I'm going to be this man. And it's not, I'm not making, making it on a moral basis. I don't coach on moral basis. You know, they get their morals or their morals, their choices are their choices, but we can certainly talk about how you can be happier in your relationships. And so I think, and happier within yourself and where you don't need outside, you don't need to numb out just so you don't feel, you can feel all your feelings and feelings will never kill you. They just feelings, you know, and yeah. learn to feel those rather than playing video games incessantly or watching porn incessantly or any of that. Well, it goes back to your slogan like you have on your website it says that you helped uh, athletes. Uh, I think it says create a life that feels as good as it looks, mm -hmm. you know. And so, like, what are what are the what are your top maybe three tips to for anybody like that wants to create a life like that that looks great on the outside, but also matches what it looks like, you know, that what the high reels that we don't always see. You know, how do you? What are the top things you would recommend that somebody uh, would do to make that a reality? I just think number one really managing your mind. We as human beings, we have a prefrontal cortex. We get to make decisions. You know, if your dog sees a squirrel, it goes squirrel and it runs. <laughs> well, you know, we have that part of our brain and we see some shiny, beautiful object and we can go, oh, I'm going for that, you know, without any pre thinking about it. So one of the first things I would say is that we get, we get to make decisions. So I think deciding ahead of time how you want to be and who you want to be is super important. Managing your mind, you know, really managing your mind. It's, it's it, rather than letting your mind manage you because uh, the, that's those repeated thoughts and they just come in and they wreak havoc on your life. And that's kind of like, you know, giving a two-year-old in a white room, a green Sharpie and letting them loose. It's <laughs> like, it's going to wreak havoc, you know? And so that, that child is not being managed and is not managing their mind. They're just having fun. And so, when those thoughts come through that don't work for you, that don't support you, that aren't serving you, that we work to work, we work to get to those better thoughts and practice those and let those become the thoughts that we tell ourselves 60, 70,000 times a day, rather than the ones that we've been telling ourselves for 10 years. And then the third one I would say is just, um, you know, we do a lot of future self work and it is the brain can't tell like if, if you believe I'm, you know, I, say like you're a rookie, I, I believe I'm going to be an all pro in three years. I'm going to make it to the Super Bowl, whatever it is you, you know, like you start living your life as that man that can become that your brain doesn't know that. And you, you take the actions. You're like, oh, that man goes to sleep at this time. He eats this. He, he behaves this way. If you start doing those things and acting as your future self, your brain doesn't know the difference. Your brain doesn't realize, oh, that's not true. You know, your brain is just listening to what you tell it. So it's really, it's the neuroplasticity and really reprogram, reprogramming that brain to be that future star athlete or to be that future husband that you want to be. So those would be the things that I would say we really focus on a lot. A couple of things I want to dive into what you mentioned is one is routines. I mean, routines to me are so important for individuals succeeding in life, but especially athletes. And you see the really the great ones have routines, right? Yeah. Uh, make them a little unique and different. So when you talk about managing your mind, right? I talk about people like we we do 
think about it. We eat daily. We take showers daily, right? We exercise a lot of times daily, but we don't train the mind daily. At all. So what are ways that people can manage the mind on a daily basis and routines that they can have, whether it's like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or whatever they have throughout the day to make sure they're training their mind for success? Well, as I said, my STEAM method, I love that. Doing an unpack, which is just getting all your thoughts down on paper. And it's so much better if you write it down rather than type it out because the brain, it, that slows the brain down. The brain is focusing on writing those letters out, writing what you're, you know, so that hamster wheel stops, you know, because it can't, it can't be on the wheel and writing at the same time. The brain can only do one thing at a time. So writing those thoughts out, seeing, and then you start to see a pattern of what you're thinking every day. Um, but pick a thought, you know, pick a thought um, that isn't serving you. See the results you're getting from that thought. And then say, what is the result I want? What is the result I want to have in my life that I don't have? And then realize that your thought has to change. I mean, that's the simplest way um, that your thought has to change to get a better result. If there is anything you don't like in your life, anything at all, if you don't like your weight, if you don't like how you're playing, if you don't like the, your bank account, you don't like what your body looks like, it doesn't matter. It is what you're thinking and what you're telling yourself on a repeated basis. And that's what your body does. Well, the one thing you mentioned too, you said the future self work, right? And you talked about like the subconscious mind doesn't know whether it's real or imagined. And when you mentioned that, you went back and said a lot of these athletes that you're around, they didn't have good role models. Right. So it's almost like you're talking about is find someone that you admire, maybe as a husband, find someone you admire as a parent, someone you admire as an athlete or whatever it might be that the place you want to be at. And almost like you're writing down what the things they do, you're modeling them. Right. And you're trying to become that person. Is that what you're talking about? It, it, that's certainly one way of doing it, James. I think an, the way that I typically teach it is not necessarily modeling yourself after another person, although that's perfectly fine. If if they're lucky enough to have someone or to see someone or to know about someone that they want to model and they can they can find out what that person's routine. I mean, like, look at Tom Brady, crazy routine. Yeah. If that's what you want to be, like, you can find out what his routine is easily. But more than that is just deciding on purpose who you want to be rather than just behaving the way you're used to behaving, deciding on purpose. It's, um, you know, uh, you know, I want to be a, a loyal father. I am a loyal husband. I want to be a present father. I want to be a available boyfriend. I want to be, um, a true friend, whatever it is, or all of that. It's literally just deciding. And we go through this. It's like, literally, what is that man wearing? What is, what is he driving? Where does he live? What, uh, you know, when he gets out of his car at home, who's there? I mean, we design that person and the person that they want to be. And it, it's mind boggling. It is just mind boggling. Like, you know, I had a, client that came back to me is like, I need four more months. And, uh, you know, he, it is amazing what has happened to that guy in the first three weeks, you know, uh, bought a house. Yeah. I mean, I, I could go on and on, bought the house of his dreams, bought, you know, and it's not about purchases or necessarily, you know, financial or tangible things or, 
you know, what kind of car you're driving. But if that's your dream, that's great. And if you've got the money to do it, fabulous. I mean, if it's a Toyota Camry and that's your dream car, let's go. Let's get that Camry, you know. And so um, it's literally designing that man from the ground up. And they get to pick. I'm not sitting there saying who they have to be. Why do you think it is, you know, think about af uh, athletics. Everybody like, you know, when you're young and growing up, it's like, okay, we want you to play soccer or play baseball, basketball, whatever it is. Okay, we got to find your team and find a coach, right? You always have to have a coach in athletics. We always need that, right? But when we get into like life and people struggle with life to live a life they desire, they don't want to get a coach in life, right? It's like we get a coach in sports, but why is it that people are so resistant to get a coach that helps them with life? I mean, that is like the best question ever, James, because that is to me, I think if you're trying to do anything in life that like you wouldn't dream, I mean, LeBron James has a basketball coach, you know, I mean, and then I'm sure he has his own personal everythings, but there's a coach on that team. There's, there's coaches out there working with them and that's the best of the best guys, you know? And so I am with, with you a thousand percent. I get, I mean, I do this all day, every day, and I probably get coached at least sometimes twice a week, you know, and you're, you're going to think, oh, a life coach. Well, you don't need, oh, listen, you know, it's like, trust me, I need it. You would, I wouldn't let my clients see my brain on in coaching. And so um, it just is, and I think we're going to see more and more of it. I think what aerobics was like Jane Fonda and aerobics was like 30 years ago. I think mental health is going to be that now we're starting on the team. I'm so glad and grateful that they have that resource. And at the same time, I don't think a lot of the guys, I, th I think there's some teams or maybe leagues that require that they meet with that, that, that person two or three times, but guys tend to want to get their own person just for confidentiality reasons, just to make sure that it's staying between them and the person that they're working with. And I don't care what it is in life. I mean, you know, there are coaches for everything. I, I, I just saw a woman, I can't, I can't even remember how much money she was making. It was something crazy. She was a coach for quilters. I mean, there is a coach for everything. You know, if you want something specific in your life, there is a coach or, and just general life coaching. Um, I think it's going to be five years from now, seven years from now, like the average person, you know, will be like, oh yeah, I've got to go work with my life coach. I, I just, my life mindset coach, whatever. I, I can't imagine it because, and especially the way things are changing, what COVID has done to us, you know, um, I think COVID has been an amazing reset. I've seen COVID as a real positive in my life and I have been super isolated. Um, but I just think that, you know, it's forced us to stop. It's forced us to reflect. It's forced us to think about what we want or to see how much we need help, you know? <laughs> and um, I really think that it's, it's incumbent upon us to have coaches. Absolutely incumbent. You think, you think about this, Michelle, think about this. So parents will spend quite a bit of money in youth sports, right? To get individuals learning sports specific skill sets. 70% of kids are quitting by the time they're 13. They don't even use them anymore. They become obsolete. They're not learning the life skills to really succeed. But I go back to this and say this. They spend all this money on children thinking they're going to advance to go these levels. And they're invested in them, but they don't invest in themselves. 
Like when you think about if you talk to somebody about they need help or they need this life coach or whatever it is, it's going to be this amount. It's like, uh, can't afford that. So why, why would somebody investing in themselves be so important? Well, I mean, you just said it all, James. It's like, um, I just finished working with a 15 year old, fabulous athlete. And I got a text from him. It was Sunday night. I think it was like, coach, I just, I just got a personal best in the gym it absolutely could not have happened without my, the mindset work that you and I did together. And this kid is, you know, he's an amazing, great kid. But like getting that text was like, oh, yes, you know, that's what I live for. And um, I'm telling you, it's it, it, and another on the another example of that would be this guy that during COVID, he and his wife weren't getting along so well. And he and I said, you know, you need to have a therapist or a coach in your pocket at all times. And he goes, Oh, we've been doing therapy, but we can't keep doing that. It's too expensive. And I said, have you ever been through a divorce? <laughs> you know, if you think therapy is expensive, get ready. Uh, so it's like, why wouldn't we do? To me, it's like I was a gymnast. I, I would have never taught a kid how to do a back handspring before I taught them how to do a front roll or a handstand. You know, it's like you have to have those foundational pieces, those fundamentals before you can do the bigger tricks or play the bigger game of life. And it's like, yeah, you may be a greatly gifted natural athlete and rocking and rolling and may, and then you've got parents investing tons of money and, you know, they think their kid's going to be, you know, the next Travis Kelsey or the next LeBron James or whatever it is. And, you know, they're just pumping money into this kid and the sports and the skill sets, but they're not doing anything to help that kid with his brain. And unless you have a blessed, unless you're blessed to have a coach and, you know, it's like what coaches and agents tell me, we don't have time to be their life coaches. We don't have the time, you know, we don't have the time to do that for them. It's not that we don't love them or care about them or want to do that with them. We don't have the time and we really don't have the expertise, you know? So it's like, I just see it as a dovetail thing where it's going to get to the point where parents or parents and coaches just see, there is absolutely no way we can do this thing properly without having a life or mindset coach on, on staff. See, I go back to this too. I think it's such an injustice that we have all these individuals going through youth sports, right? And again, high percentage of quitting by 13, they spent all this money and they get done and we haven't taught them life skills. None. And sports is a vehicle to do it. And it's well, to me, and it's how, like sports organizations and people are not doing it. Right. Well, and what's the percentage of those players, James and Jason, that are going to get to D1 or pro sports? Well, you think about this, Michelle, you think about it. So less than 3% of kids are going to play Division One. That yeah. High school seniors, high school yeah. seniors, right? 6% exactly. less than 6, NAIA, junior college, these different ones. And so if it's less than 3% of playing Division One, you think about the percentage of playing professionally, right? And there's more academic money than athletic money. So like, I could get on a whole thing with you, but I'm like, with oh, what you mean with the mind, <laughs> because the thing, the mind controls the body. And if I didn't known this stuff when I was 13, 14 years old, right. it would have been a game changer. And we have all these individuals yeah. struggling throughout life with anxiety, depression, all these type of things in the personal development industry. They all say kids need this stuff. Okay. Let's start giving it to them. And as you said, maybe as a parent, let's spend some resources just on the physical skills. Let's spend it on the life soft skills to develop the mind to strengthen it, that you can take your kids, whatever activity to another level. Well, I tell you what, if knowing what I know now and 
coaching on what I coach now, if it came down to where I could only afford to send my kid to college or get my kid a life coach, I would get my kid a life coach because they will learn life skills that will carry them through life that will take, they, they will be able to be resilient. I mean, life comes at us. It comes at us hard. It is not this beautiful picture that everybody paints it to be. It is tough. You know, we come across it situations daily, weekly. I had a day yesterday. Just thank God y'all didn't have me on yesterday. Yeah. And it's like, I am coaching myself like crazy. It was life came at me hard yesterday. And, you know, I have the skill sets and I, I, admittedly didn't perform very well in the moment. I certainly recovered well, but uh, you know, it is like we have to have those life skills and mindset skills and decisive skills to know, like not that we're, we're, we're deciding how we're going to behave. We're deciding how we're going to act rather than reacting. Just like you were mentioning earlier, James, the guy on the football field and somebody's in your face and they're punching you in the, you know, and the tackle, you know, all of that stuff, saying stuff, talking trash. The man that has the strong mind, I mean, I love me some Kansas City Chiefs. I, there are some strong minds on that team. And they get, you can imagine what people are saying, you know, in huddles. If you mic those guys up, we probably couldn't put it on TV. And so <laughs> what I'm saying is we, those guys aren't sitting there letting that get to them. 90, I mean, everybody has human, but 99% of the time, they're not allowing that to get to them. They're like, they're not even hearing. It's like filtered out. I am on to my game. This is my game. This is my mindset game. This is how I do it. And this is why we are as good as we well, are. Michelle, as you said, they understand who they are. They yes. understand how their mind works, right? And their conditioner mind for success every day. You work with them. You think about, it. did you see the, this was in the fall, but in Texas, that lineman for high school, Texas, where he, you know, he got kicked out of the game. He sprints on the field. He just basically tackles the official, right? Hurts the official, gets kicked out, and then he gets charges pressed against him. The game's canceled. He's got issues. He's got a face. Now there's consequences that come with it. If that individual is trained at a young age of who he is, what his mind is, how it works, I can condition for success every day, I promise you, I would almost, I would put my house down on it that he wouldn't have done that. And the other thing we have to remember, too, is and young men's prefrontal cortex is the brain that gets to decide what action they're going to take a lot of time doesn't isn't even fully developed till they're 26 or 27. women women of course their prefrontal cortexes develop earlier but uh that's why you see these reactionary you know you've got all this adrenaline all this testosterone all this undeveloped brains and they're out there and they're just going at it it's like you know, this kid that I mentioned just a few minutes ago, this fabulous baseball player that's 15 that texted me the other day, he was doing a not very smart thing. And I just said, do you realize the, and it, it wasn't anything like illegally bad. It just wasn't very smart. And I was like, do you realize if the worst case scenario happened, what the results would be? And he was like, and you know, you could see him sitting there and he's thinking through it. And it, but he hadn't thought through that because he's just out with his friends and he's four-wheeling and he's not thinking about the consequences. And so we talked about it. Like we talked about, I said, what has been bothering you most this week? And he was like, you know, this, this thing with four-wheeling and he had not made some good decisions four-wheeling. I mean, that you think about a potentially great athlete that 
that could follow him for life. And mm. it's and and it's like you have got to decide ahead of time how you're going to show up, how you're going to behave. Yes, you're out having fun with your friends. Yes, you want to do this and this on your foot. It, like think about the consequences. So if we can get them to think about the consequences before they take the action, and that is another thing I think, especially with really you know, like teens and younger players is because they're less developed and they're just reactionary and, and they're not thinking ahead of time. And like, if I had to have that guy as, a, you know, and I, I can assure you in our conversation, he would say, I get so mad. I just want to go out there. And, you know, he would have said something like that. And I would be like, Okay, let's think about what happens if you do that. And if you feel that coming up, how are you going to show up? How are you going to behave? How are you going to react? And I'm with you. I bet you 10 to 1 that that would not have happened. You yeah. might be a million to 1. You yeah. might. I think it might yeah, be yeah, more. right? Come on, Michelle. Because yeah. they want to be good. They want to do yeah. the right thing. Yeah. They're not bad so, kids. And that, that kind of leads into our, you know, what sports can teach us in our, our four questions of the day. Uh, with 40 athletes, Michelle. So it's kind of how we end the show. So real quick, minute or less, you know, we're going to ask you four questions and then uh, this could help, you know, some of those decision-making skills with especially men because, you know, that develops last. Uh, so our first question is this, what is the best life lesson sports has taught you? Now, one minute. I think sports is a microcosm for life and I think it can teach young people what life is going to be like, the ups, the downs, the good, the bad, the wins, the losses, um, and how to be resilient and bounce back and be at your best despite the outcome. Love that. Yeah. It's, uh, and number two, if you could spend time with anyone you admire in sports, alive or passed away, um, who would it be and why would you pick them? This is a crazy answer. <laughs> uh, I loved Joe Namath when I was a kid. Okay. I just Broadway loved Joe. Joe Namath. Well, Broadway Joe. Yeah. And he was just like, he did every, this, maybe kids shouldn't follow Broadway Joe, but uh, he, uh, he did everything his own way. He made predictions and he made them, he really made them come true. You know, I'm going to win this. Like nobody thought that was going to happen. He wore his white cleats. He wore his fur jacket. He just was out of the box. So uh, for somebody that's a character, I would probably pick him. And I, let's see, um, I've had the luxury of meeting Michael Jordan and I'm a, I went to Chapel Hill and I'm a North Carolina girl. So I would really like to sit down and uh, just have another but like lengthy conversation with him. Would we all? Yeah. <laughs> Go Tar Heels, right? And Roy Williams went to my high school, so I got that. Hey, and, he, and he coached at University of Kansas, right? Right in our yes, backyard. He yes, go. he did. Yeah. Right. Dean Smith, you, you know, all of that. So the third question is this, is what is the best advice you've ever received from a coach? Could be a life coach, a sports coach. What's the best advice you've ever received from somebody? Really and truly, it is discomfort is the currency to your dreams. That's what my coach told me. Discomfort is the currency to your dreams. If you stay comfortable, you're not growing. If you are uncomfortable, the good stuff is on the other side of discomfort. And anytime, you know, it's like if you can get to the point where you live, almost live in discomfort, you know you are growing exponentially. That's what I'm in camps are when I'm working out kids. I'm always talking about be comfortable being uncomfortable. 
be comfortable being uncomfortable. So when you said that earlier, I was like, it reminds me of that. Yeah, it's so true. And 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 once they try it, like they are like, oh my God, I was so uncomfortable. And 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 you always see this great result. Yeah. You'll see kids going through our camps who will go through stuff and they can't, they barely dribble, they can like shoot a layup. And then the third day, they're doing some amazing things. But at the beginning, they're like, I can't do this. We're like, no, don't say can't drop the T. It's I can. Or if you don't think you can, say not yet, but I, not I can't. That's a naughty word. Don't say that, right? So yeah, right, right. And it's just like to see the growth. Like I, I've been to those basketball camps, camps with my kids and to see the growth, that three-day growth you're talking mm -hmm. about, it's like the kid yeah. that couldn't make it down and back is like, woo. And just to see what that does for them you know, yeah. internally as a human being, like they, they are walking inches taller that night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the final question is this, is if you could pick one life skill or character trait that you could have and say you're a coach and it was going to be a player in your team or your, your company and somebody you're hiring, what would that one character trait or life skill be? You can only have one. Character trait is never to lie. I mean, never to lie. And um, I'm, I listened to a great podcast with Kevin O'Leary, who's on the Shark Tank. And um, he, he drove this home for me. And I, I didn't really care for him on the show. And now I have a newfound respect for him. And, you know, people think he, he's kind of a rough, not very great guy. But his whole thing is never lie. And if you never lie, you, you don't have to worry about keeping the balls in the air. You don't have to worry about, you may hurt people's feelings in real time, but it'll never come back like, oh, you know, just don't be a people pleaser. Just tell the truth and think about, I've really been doing this exercise a lot in the last two weeks is think about little ways that I don't think of myself as a liar at all, but little ways that we lie. Like, oh, that was a great conversation. So nice to meet with you guys. And maybe you didn't really feel like it was a great conversation. You know, it was like, you could thank them, but you don't have to, you know, it's like little things like be true in your word, be true in your word, whether it's business, sports, school, friends, family, whatever. I, I just think if, Everybody did that. It would be so much easier. You're talking about you're talking about Mr. Is it Mr. Wonderful? Is that what they call him? Wonderful. Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> he he tell he's like I'm not in this for charity. I'm in it to make money. That's oh, what yeah. I'm here to do. He'll tell you straight he's out. He's like you're dead to me. You know. Yeah. Uh, but and he's just never like he's been too like un I I would have said unkind to these people mm -hmm. uh, that have made it onto Shark Tank. But after listening to this podcast, oh my gosh, it was. I still think he could be nicer, but he doesn't lie. <laughs> yeah. But as you said, I, I've heard that before. Where, uh, somebody said, like, you're never going to please any, any everybody with mm -hmm. decisions you make. So you might as well make decisions that you want to truly make. Right. But before right. making a decision, like you said, ask yourself two questions. What are, what are going to be the consequences? And do I want to live with these consequences? Yeah. And almost like if you know that you're not going to please everybody, you can be honest. But understand your honesty, what kind of consequence they could be, and know that if you want to understand you can that if you things. lied, you're not going to please everybody. That's so true. So why too. not just do it the right? You know, why not just tell yeah. your truths, truth, speak your truth. Do the last what. thing on this is you think about how many athletes you see that will lie or coaches they're like just lying about something they did, and it, the ones that came out and tell the truth usually get the ones that forgive them quicker, right? Oh, over time. Hey. I, I made a mistake. I did this. I own it. I own I'm it. here to take the consequences rather than, you know, that accusation isn't true. It isn't true. It isn't true. And then it comes out and it's bigger than the accusation ever thought about being. So yeah. just like I screwed up. 
I own it. What? Give me what you're giving me and let's go. Yeah. Well, Michelle, thank you for joining us today. Uh, what are the best ways people can get a hold of you, reach out to you? Um, you gave us so much uh, information today. You know, how can they learn more about Michelle? Um, I'm really, I'm getting better. I'm getting better on Instagram, Michelle Demetrio coaching. Um, and then, uh, they can always reach me at Michelle at Michelle Demetrio coaching.com. If they wanted to email me, I'm always, will take your, you know, take your emails. And then, um, my website, which is about to be up for the second time is Michelle at Michelle Demetrio coaching.com. Oh, great. Well, uh, Michelle, it's, it's been an honor to have you on our show and, uh, yeah, you know, we look forward to uh, further conversations uh, in the future with yourself. Yeah, Michelle. Jason and James, I really appreciate it so much. Thank you. Michelle, I was going to go get my suitcase. I got to go unpack. Yeah, go start unpacking. Pack my oh, suitcase. Oh, yeah. Go, go, go unpack. Stuff done. No, I'm packing. I like that. Absolutely. Get too heavy. The suitcase. Yeah. So, yeah. Be in touch. I, I really enjoyed it. And thank you all so much for having me. Appreciate yeah. it, Michelle. Thank you. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Well, Jimmy, you know, that was a great, that was a great guest we had today. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I heard a start that like 70% of kids are quitting sports between ages 13 and 14, right? So what are ways that we could, uh, I don't know, maybe teach the life skills while they're doing it? What do you, what do you got for us? Uh, well, we have a 24-week essential life skills course that we actually teach the life skills in a way that how the hard skills are taught in sports. Right. It's a constant space repetition model, how we teach it to get the mind, what body connection. We don't usually do it with the life skills and sports. So we developed a system where we do that. And we've seen a amazing impact it has on kids, how they behave at home and school and extracurricular activities, be consistent performance and stay consistent in what they do. So it works. We've had, you know, parents, coaches, players that have gone through it and give great raving reviews on the results they gotten through it. So. We strongly suggest that uh, it will help your child, yourself. We also got materials on how to navigate your child through sports because that's a lot of times parents have a hard time doing that as well. Right. And, uh, you know, Jimmy, where can we find such fantastic material? And the acting, by the way, I think it's pretty superb. Oh, yeah. yeah you, you go to what, 40athletes.com, right, and be able to find uh, the course and information on how to be able to register and purchase. So we look forward to walking you and your child through it to make uh, them better uh, through the sports they're playing. That's the number four, the letter D, athletes.com. Well, Jimmy, it was another great episode, and I uh, look forward to talking to you soon, man. Sounds good. Thanks, Chase. Be good. Thank you.